podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What if you could make fresh, delicious meals at home without the stress of planning, prepping, or cleaning up? Introducing Tavala. Tavala is a first-of-its-kind meal service that makes eating well effortless. By combining a countertop smart oven with delivered meals, just scan a QR code to cook dinner. First, choose from a variety of chef-crafted meals delivered weekly to your door. When you're ready to eat, just do one minute of easy prep. Next, scan your meal's QR code with the Tavala Smart Oven. While the oven automatically switches between modes and temperatures for the perfect cook, just sit back and relax. Your food's ready in 25 minutes or less. No shopping, no chopping, no cleanup. Simplify mealtime today with Tavala. Go to Tavala.com now to save $150 on a Tavala Smart Oven when you agree to order meals six times. That's T-O-V-A-L-A dot com. Promo applied automatically at checkout. Tavala. Eat well effortlessly. Tavala dot com. Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and this afternoon I'm joined by Amy Canavan. We will have Tony Haggerty on the show at some point during the next hour. We're here to talk about all things Celtic. We've got the whole weekend to talk about Amy and obviously um, we're we're chewing our fingertips and our fingernails rather to the uh, to the bit week in week out. This is the way it's going to be. So uh, yesterday we go to the game and obviously there's another game ongoing elsewhere that is important. And it's the first time I was just saying to you for ages that I am actively looking, um, you know, over my shoulder at the opponent, the challenger, because this is the first title challenge we've had since the Celtic State of Mind started in 2017. Um, you know, and it was advantage Celtic. So going into the game yesterday, knowing that there had been points dropped at Tanadice, um, how did that Firstly, how did it make you feel as a Celtic fan? Did it add to the tension? Did it add to the um, the fear? Because I think there was a bit of tension around about Celtic Park yesterday. Yeah, I think it, it does because you just think, right, this is a massive opportunity, and if you don't, you know, take advantage of it, then you just think this could be a total momentum shift, you know, in the, in the other direction. Even though you're, you're looking at obviously what happened at Tannadice, and for 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 that, that that's that's a poor result, um, frankly. But if you, you look at it from a Celtic perspective, then it's kind of that, you know. Rangers could gain a point but still come out almost on top because 
if Celtic can't take advantage of that, then they're going to take some, um, you know, belief, especially considering as well what happened on Thursday night. I think many of us thought that that would certainly be a, be a boost because you can't really underestimate how massive an achievement that that really was. Um, no matter how poor anyone wants to say sort Dortmund are to still go away in Europe, you know, and, and do what they've done, that could easily have been a, a season defining, season changing moment. But it, came back and it didn't seem to be that way uh, with, with only a point at hand. So it does add to it because you know that then all eyes, all eyes are on Celtic. If they weren't already, they already, they, they are certainly now. Um, and everybody in, in the league is looking for that because you think, right, well then we're talking about, you know, how's Rangers mindset, how's Rangers mentality, then it reflects exactly the same as Celtic. Well, they one bounce back from Thursday and well, they two now capitalise on this, you know, clearing opportunity. So thankfully in the end they did so, but um, I think it certainly sent a few nerves, additional nerves, I'd say around the team as well as as well as the stadium. Um, and as obviously comments suggested yesterday, then it was something that, uh, that the team were extremely aware of. <laughs> yes, uh, despite what the, the club mm-hmm. were trying to, to say. Um, if you want to get yourself on the audio platforms or in fact on the YouTube channel, because they do also upload to YouTube, we put out the the post-match press conference after the game yesterday. So it's up on the channel. It was on the YouTube channel. Uh, Natasha Miko was in there talking to Yakimakis and Ange Postacoglu. And Yakimakis made absolutely um, no... There was no doubt in his mind, certainly, that they knew Rangers had dropped a couple of points at Tanadice. And I think that um, dropping a couple of points at Tanadice, you obviously go into that game believing you can win it, but it's a worse result to drop points at home. And I think that's what you're saying there. You know, it would have been, you know, any kind of form of momentum had there been a 2-2 draw at Celtic Park yesterday would have been in favour of Rangers, even though they've gone up there and, and dropped the points. I totally get that. So we're keeping an eye on that game, Amy, before Celtic kick off. And it was like, it seemed, although I've not watched the Dundee United game back, it seemed like wave after wave of attack. And um, it seemed as though the ref was going to play until Rangers scored a goal as well, uh, incidentally. Um, but also, we, we can't go through that game and we're not going to labour the United game before we get on to Celtic. We can't go away from that and finish talking about it um, unless we speak about Charlie Mulgrew's post-match interview. Did you see that as well? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll be honest, I was in the office yesterday, so that went down quite a treat. Um, so, yeah, it was, I think it's quite funny. Uh, Charlie as well, you know, he, he knows Brian pretty well, Brian McLaughlin. Obviously, Charlie spends a lot of time within the BBC as well. He does a lot of sports scene, a lot of sports sound sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, he was playing to the crowd, absolutely go for it. Uh, I do think he'll watch it back, perhaps, and he'll certainly see that there, there, there was the claim there. Um, it's it's totally up to him what he sees it as at the end of the day. Rangers never got it, so I don't really care. I know. Are you making that up? That That's going to be a meme. Yeah, that's going to that be a meme. It's um, just his monotone tone as well. Big gorgeous Chaz. Now, we're not going to labour the United game, but yes, uh, what a performance by Seagrest. He is one that I think would be on our radar at some point, but certainly not to uh, take the place of Joe Hart, who is, uh, for me, when you're looking at yesterday's game again, I don't remember a save being made. I had to watch it again this morning um, because we had... When I'm at the game, in terms of analysing a match, Amy, it's not happening because I'm just I'm, I'm involved in the emotion of that the match, and I know that I'm getting up the next day to actually watch it and take notes and try and, and form some kind of opinion on individual performances, the team performances, decisions made, um, and how this is going to affect decisions being made on Thursday night. Spoke to a couple of Celtic fans this morning who are of the view that 
you know, we don't go um, on Thursday night gung-ho, we don't go in with a full-strength squad. For, for a moment, I don't believe for a moment that Ange Postacoglu is going to share that view. I think he's going to be looking at the tie. It's half-time. He's going to go for an early goal. Um, and Norway will talk about this um, because I still think he believes he can win that. Do you think that that is a distraction? When you look at yesterday, when you look at the fact that, you know what, we're going toe-to-toe with the, the bottom of the league club and they might have had a new manager bounce despite the kind of chat around Matt McGee's appointment. Um, but I'll tell you what, they went toe-to-toe with us uh, with regards to the scoreline yesterday when it was sitting at 2-2. There are going to be afternoons like that. And if it doesn't work out and we don't score that late goal, then people will be looking at, you know what, we can be doing without these games during the week. We had the conversation with Jim Orr on Friday. What's your take on that? I don't want it to be a distraction. I don't. Um, I want Celtic to compete in Europe. You know, this is now the third tier of European football. So I really do expect Celtic to be, you know, to be making the last stages of these competitions. So it is a little bit frustrating. And I, and I certainly, I wouldn't, now I need to try and phrase this right. I do expect Anne Postacoglu, and I hope Anne Postacoglu goes in with the belief of, of still trying to turn this tie around. Um, I don't want it to be, you know, just go out and kind of just just get the 90 minutes played. No, I do want Celtic to compete to try and, you know, turn this tie around. I do think it'll be extremely difficult because um, I was extremely unimpressed with Celtic on Thursday. Um, it, was a, it was a really, really poor kind of, it was just a really poor performance. I thought, Glimp were impressive. I was extremely impressed by them, but I still think Celtic made them look a lot better than they even actually were. I do think we underestimated them, but I think they were made to look even greater by how poor Celtic were. So it's not going to be an, an easy tie, but I would still expect Celtic to go out and, and at least, you know, attempt to continue through because I understand the, you know, especially in this season of all seasons and and um, and whatnot. I get why people could think it could be a distraction that the you know the Sunday Thursday Sunday Thursday um, or Thursday Sunday more like c- could be tricky. But I think at a club like Celtic, you should be expected to be able to you know compete at that level, uh, compete with that kind of demand of games. And we're now talking at how you know. I'm not going to say we've got total depth in every position, but we do have space and room for rotation. So. Mm-hmm. You know, this is when you you utilize sorry that this kind of rotation. So for me, I do want Celtic to keep going in Europe. I do, um, and I don't think it should be seen as a distraction because at a club like Celtic, you should be expected to be competing. You know, we're talking about trying to compete in the, in the top tier of European football and Champions League next season, and this is us, you know, struggling and perhaps limping out of the third tier. That that's a worry for me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm the same. Um, call it ambition, call it short sightedness. I'm not sure because Jim disagrees and that's great because obviously on Axom there's so many contributors Amy, you know, we're going to have a different wide range of views and, yeah. and Jim would rather that you know last season we weren't losing players to injury and COVID in the Europa League because we needed them for the league campaign and he thinks exactly the same this time round. I'm, I'm so much more on the view that um, let's get the experience, there's players that need that European experience because the, the final aim this season is to win the league and get into the Champions League and we don't want stage fright once we get there. So let's try and get as much European experience and a lot of these players don't have great European experience. So I am approaching that game on Thursday night. We'll talk about it at the end of the show once Tony joins us, um, basically saying it's halftime. They've not seen the best of Celtic yet and we didn't see the best of Celtic yesterday either. It's got to be said. It wasn't a vintage performance. Um, you're looking at the the conditions, the weather conditions, the swirling rain and, and the wind. Yep, 
both teams are up against that. Celtic like to play football on the deck anyway. Um, but you've got players like Hatati who like the long-range diagonal pass. It's kind of cutting out that, that kind of pass because of the, the conditions. But we're going into that game and we know that um, a win will put us... It'll give us a nice wee cushion. It'll put us three points ahead in the title race. Um, Yakimakis, after the game, claims that the Celtic players knew exactly what had happened at Ibrox. That's not the message that the club indeed wanted to put out there. I thought it was a much ado about nothing when I listened back to the interview. I'm going to be totally honest with you, Amy. I didn't know what everybody was getting uh, wound up about. Uh, but I'm going to bring in Martin Davy. Uh, Yakimakis should just do the talking on the park. He has given me grey hair. But we'll what will be, will be, just keep winning. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of comments last night on Twitter saying, right, you should keep that in the dressing room. And quite a few of the Axon contributors, both on social media and within the WhatsApp group, were all of that opinion. Just keep your views behind closed doors. You're, you're writing team talks and all this kind of stuff, Amy. Where do you stand on that? I'm, I'm looking at last season where we, we disappeared without a whimper. And there was no confidence and there was no self-belief. And I'm seeing a guy there who's come under a bit of heat. You know, I've criticised him in the past. I mean, know that that bothers him. But I mean, he's, he's come under a bit of pressure uh, and he scored a hat-trick and he's won us a game late on. And you can imagine the emotion. You know what it's like after a game being on the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. When you're a Celtic fan talking about Celtic, good or bad. And that emotion runs through. And I'm just looking at Yakimakis thinking, right, he's thrown down the gauntlet. I don't have an issue with that. What's your take on it? I'm very, very split. Um, when it first came out, I just, oh, I, I just huffed and puffed and kind of done that. Oh, I do just want the talking to be done on the pitch. Um, nothing more than I just think, you know, I'm, I'm so more than happy that that confidence is is within the squad, uh, and I do like that. But I just want it to, you know. Be, be kept in house. On the flip side, I know a lot of um, a lot of re- retweets and Twitter obviously blew up last night after it. were saying, you know, well, this is just ammunition for for Rangers. You pin this on the dressing room wall. I think I don't know who made the initial comment. If it was perhaps Brian or Jim, but there was something in the group chat last night because that was kind of my worry. And they went, well, if that's the ammunition that Rangers are, are needing, and it's not, you know, to to go and you know just just go. And, defend their title, the, the bounty of next season's Champions League, if they need that kind of ammunition, then that's a, that's a worry for them. And, you know, Celtic or, you know, that that's not our, our issue kind of thing. I really described that well. But um, when I heard them say that, then I thought, all right, OK, maybe it's not as big a deal because at first that's what I worried about. And I thought, oh, God, this is just going to come back and, and bite you in the bum, to be honest. Um, but... If that's what they're needing, then that, that's perhaps maybe more of a, a slight on their mentality. But if you still had to ask me yesterday, would you rather come out and say that or not? Then I would say no. I just, I just don't like that kind of thing because I do, I do just think even if it's not ammunition for the players, I just think it's ammunition for other fans. Um, I don't like that. I just want it to be kept in house. You know, do your talking on the pitch, win it at the end of the season, and then you can say whatever you want. Say that in January, you know, we had the confidence after, you know, the derby win that that we were going to go and win the title. We knew it. We we had all this, but I think as well when you've kind of put in a performance like that, that wasn't the most, you know, gut busting, and it perhaps wasn't the most dominant, and there was a, a lot of nerves kind of creaking in, and you almost very very closely only picked up a point against Andy at home, mm-hmm. then. I think if you came out, you know, and thrashed the side six seven nil, then 
I probably actually wouldn't have off care too much, but I think just the manner of results recently, performances, I would just much have rather defeat he kept it in house. You know the thing, Amy, right? Before the game and people are giving their predictions and all this kind of stuff, I'm hearing score lines like five oh. nothing Celtic, um, four five, all this kind of stuff. And you're looking at the situation thinking, well, on any given day. You know, you look at the problems that we've had against Ross County up in Dingwall. You look at the fact that we needed in a, a last-minute goal against Dundee United. Um, and teams can give us problems. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And you go into that game yesterday. Yeah, there's momentum because Rangers have dropped a couple of points. We've not been at our best, I don't think, for a few games. I mean, the Rangers game is just like almost the pinnacle in terms of performance. We've not really quite matched that since then um, and you're going into that game yesterday and you think to yourself well you know it was far from the, the scintillating soccer that uh, Ange has served up time and time again I mean the last time we played Dundee at home it was 6-0 you know we won at a canter and I don't even think Ange's philosophy had seeped into the, the players heads at that, that stage anyway um, and I'm looking at that game yesterday and I've got to say I liked his passion. I, I, I did. I liked Jack and Mac his passion after it. Um, he's come in for stick. And you've seen it when he scores his third goal and the top's off and he's just, you know, that primal scream, the whole thing. Um, so let's talk about the game then because obviously Dundee took the lead and it was against the running play. I mean, Celtic had dominated possession up to that point and I'm watching the game thinking to myself, there was a few changes obviously to the side. Um, and what I liked about Ralston, even though... I think Jota's more effective on the left, Amy. I don't think he had a bad game on the right yesterday. I think that he had a lot of joy down the right, but a lot of that's down to Ralston. The way that he teams up with Jota and O'Reilly yesterday was brilliant. There was, you know, there was a trio of them and there was a lot of interplay and they were creating space down the right-hand side and there was a lot of crosses coming in both from Jota um, and from Ralston. We didn't see that down the left. And that, you know, watching the game before the goal was scored from a, an offensive perspective, I'm looking at that thinking it's really weighed down the right-hand side. You've got Juranovic, who I think every time he gets the ball, he's looking to be offensive. He's looking to play the forward pass quickly. He's always looking for that. But there was there was a lack of link-up play between Juranovic and Maeda down the left-hand side. And for most of the game, and, and this isn't me looking for someone to blame, I'm just looking at things that we can maybe get, do better I thought that Maeda spent most of the game facing his own goal. And for someone who's playing out wide, that's a bad sign. I remember uh, Stevie Archibald, who wasn't a winger, incidentally, used to say that your opponent shouldn't know what number's on your back. And that was always his mentality. You've always got to be facing the opposition's goal. But when I'm looking at Maeda, he's facing Joe Hart virtually the whole game. He's not running onto passes. There isn't passes going down the, the channels because he's not creating the space. Was that your kind of observation offensively, is that what I, you know, that was my view in the first half that I would have been critically Celtic. That's where things were breaking down. It was all down the right and we we're getting very little down the left. I think that's probably been um, the, 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 yeah, kind of what it's been, been like for the, the last few games. I think it's either one or other flank is kind of what I'm, I'm getting at. Mm. Um, I, I think we're struggling right now to totally and utterly switch play. Um, I think on uh, God, I can't know. Is it Thursday? Was it Thursday or last Sunday? There was one, but no, it was Thursday um, against Bodo Glimt. And, you know, it was, you know, Abada was just hanging out. Absolutely nobody going near him. And it was just, it was just, oh, everything was going going with Yota and, and he wasn't having the, the, the best of games. So I think struggle, it's either, it's, it's either one or other. Um, yeah. 
really don't think that Celtic are, are utilising both to their to their full strength. Um, so I do understand what you mean. And I, I don't want to criticise Maida at all. And I think that from a few people, there's been too much criticism on him. You know, there's been too much comparison with Kyogo as well. Um, you know, it's totally different stages of their seasons, um, never mind our own. But um, I do understand what you mean by the, the back to goal. Um, I think there was a lot of times um, in the last two games in particular that he had to drop into the midfield just to even get a touch on the ball. Um, but... In the exact same breath, really, you can see what a pivotal role he played in, in the second goal. But I get what you're saying. Um, I do. Perhaps he's not the most comfortable out wide. Although he didn't really show it. Because, um, you know, he ha- I think it's because he has got that gut-busting pace and he should be able to know and is able to beat any defender in the league, really. So it's more a frustration than a criticism because you just think, just, you know, just go for it, pal, because you're going to beat every single man. No, Nobody's going to gonna catch you. Um and I think it shows, you know, that his delivery was is is pretty decent as well because of that second goal. It's obviously it's a horrendous mistake from the goalkeeper, but to still, you know, get to the byline, get a, a driven ball in with with a fair a fair amount of speed. But um, I, I do get it, and yeah, it's. I just think it's a general frustration right now that Celtic aren't utilising both their flanks to the mm. best of their ability, and it is either either one or other. This is the thing again. I keep saying that once we get the, the the kind of five offensive players all firing at the same time, that's frightening for any opposing team. It doesn't seem to have happened, like you say, all at the same time. Um, and once we get the three pillars of Axom uh, Axom's Monday Bulletin firing. Um, then I'm pretty sure, as Tony waits in the wings, um, that uh, it will be an improvement. So here he comes, Tony Haggerty. Welcome to the show, Tony. You're so, coming in 20 uh, minutes in. Um, a wee bit of work to do, so yeah. That's, that's absolutely it's fine. But, never, but that's maybe debatable in some people's eyes, isn't it? So Yeah, I mean, we're about 25 minutes into the game at the moment, Tony, and Dundee are just about to take the lead, uh, which is probably a good time to bring up Paddy's comment. Uh, why is our defending from set pieces so rank rotten? Well, there's no doubt that it is. There is absolutely no doubt that it is rank rotten from set pieces. I think that uh, even Ange has spoken about that following the fact that we've, we've, we've shipped two goals to a team who weren't any real threat offensively. I mean, I, I said before, I, I can't remember Hart making a save. He got a couple of you know balls played back to him by Carter Vickers, etc. Um, but he's, he's ended up losing two goals. And the first of those goals... Again, I'm not hanging anybody out to dry here, but when you look at both free kicks, who gave them away? Carol Starfelt. And it's something that he needs to cut out of his game. You know, 25, 30 yards out of play, Tony, he seems like he's going in too heavy, he's too keen to try and win the ball, rather rather than just be a presence to force the player into a pass. And he gives away the first free kick needlessly. And then obviously we, we fail to defend it. Um, how big a concern is it getting for yourself? I know you're going to, you know, people are going to point to the defensive record domestically being the best in the league, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But we can't defend from a set piece. I think there's a collective responsibility here, and the, and I include Joe Hart in this too. Can Hart come for corners? Could he have done better with a header? You know, maybe nitpicking because Joe Hart's been absolutely superb. But you know, one of Carol Starfelt or Carter Vickers has to decide they're going to attack balls from corners and free kicks. Mm-hmm. No, one of them has to say, right, if this comes in, if this is launched in, I'm going for it, okay? And and so, fine. Because Ryan Sweeney ran in between your two central defenders and scored with a simple header. You've got two big guys either side of them, 
and not one of them took responsibility. Jorick's saying, oh, I think he's got him, I think he's got him. Don't think, do. Attack it in the air. If Joe Hart, if that ball's coming across your six-yard box at a corner, you entitled to ask your goalkeeper to come and punch that? I think you are. You know, Celtic shipped two poor goals against Aberdeen. Mm. You know, they shipped uh, two poor goals against Dundee, put themselves under a lot of pressure, managed to get the results at the end of the day, So, and they've got a bit of breathing space at the top now. That is commendable. But, you know, and then your temptation is to say, well, we get Big Julian in because he'll throw himself in front of everything and he's six foot seven and he's big. You know, that's your temptation, your knee-jerk reaction to that. As I said the other week, we've got a duty of care to Julian. But the last few games, I've just saw a wee wobble in both Vickers and Starfelt. For me, they both wobbled and they've looked unsure of themselves and not the pretty composed and solid figures that have, you know, that back the stats that back up the, the meanest defence in the league. But when you're shipping goals to the likes of Aberdeen and Dundee at the business end of the season, that is quite concerning. You can't rely on your forward players to dig you out a hole all the time and do it late, week in, week out. Yeah, Ange says it all the time. There's things they have to do better. Mm. And one of those things they have to do better is they have to defend better. And you're not talking about... You're not asking guys to do something that's alien to their nature. You know me. See if the ball's in the deck, clear it. See if the ball's in the air, go and attack it and win it. Track runners. I'm not a defender, but even I know the, the kind of these things. Mm. You know? And Amy will be the same. That Surely that's kind of, you know, a prerequisite for a defender. You track, well, you track runners, you contest balls in the air, you know, you... You slide in when it's on the deck, and you know, and and they, they do a lot of these things well, but there's still something missing from their armory, isn't there? Which is why they're constantly shipping goals and set pieces is an Achilles heel. But that isn't that that's a hangover from previous regimes as well. Mm-hmm. There's just there's an inability there to cope with set pieces, and I don't know why. Considering well, they can't profit from set pieces themselves. No, that again, yeah, it's on both sides. It's on both sides, Tony. And when you're looking at Starfelt, and he has had criticism, this isn't me singling him out, because I actually think beyond giving away two needless, and they were needless free kicks. I mean, often someone will take someone out and you think, right, he's done the right thing there. Even to take a book in at times, you take one for the team. But both those free kicks for me were needless. He's given them away. He's put us under the pressure that we don't want to be under because we know um, how, uh, you know, poor we have been with the, with the set pieces. But actually, over the piece, watching the game back this morning, Tony, I thought Starfelt was OK. I thought he played pretty well. And then there was comments during the game that Carter Vickers is the strongest player at Celtic by some distance, and that was Greg Taylor that said that. So you know that he can compete and he should be winning um, a lot more of these aerial duels uh, when the ball's flighted in. But I take your point, and I'm loath to criticise Joe Hart, but he is the cornerstone of that whole situation, isn't he? And he should be the guy that, that's commanding um, at the back. And I just think that the two goals were far too easy for Dundee. They were far too easy. Um, and once he, they score that goal, at that point, Amy, I'm looking at it thinking, it's one nothing. But I don't think for a minute we're not going to get back our noses back in front. And that is the benefit of having such um, an array of offensive players, not only in your starting 11, but sitting on the bench, which 
I think became pretty important uh, later on in the game. Now, Steve McGonigal is coming in on YouTube. Good afternoon, guys. Nerves are jangling again, but three points. I will take that every week. I said that on the way home, Stephen. I said that, you know what? It's not great uh, because you get the nerves jangling. But if we get another 11 games like that, I'll take them all day long. Um, and when, when we're looking at the game as well, Tony, I don't know about you guys, right? But if I'm at the game, I just I can't analyse it. I'm just watching the game. I'm just caught up in the emotion. And there's nothing I'm taking away from that game that I can then speak about in the Axon Bulletin the following day. Absolutely no way. And I've got to watch the game the following day, knowing that the score is 3-2 and there's no emotion involved. And then I can start maybe pinpointing areas that we can do better. Feed the Bear, welcome back to the show you're watching on YouTube. Uh, it's a lovely Monday and hopefully we'll have loads of lovely Mondays between now and the end of the season as well. KS caretakers, yeah, isn't it good for the old ticker? Um, absolutely. And IH decorating, three clear and 11 to play. Any win at this stage is a great win. No complaints from me, as we are in a great position, especially when you look back to when Ange arrived. And I totally take that into consideration. We're in a situation now where it's in our hands. Now, Tom uh, Rogic, just a couple of weeks ago, Amy spoke about, we're used to this. We've been at the top of the pile for a decade. Did he say, mate? I'm not sure. He probably did. Um, and I do have a confidence in the Celtic side, albeit it's a new side. It's a new collection of players together. I have a confidence that we can stay where we are, at the top of the tree, at the top of the pile. Um, but Amy and I had a discussion, Tony, before you came in, about the distraction. Jim Moore calls it a distraction of the European football. Um, and we're looking towards Thursday night. What's your thoughts at the moment? Because, you know, Anne just said it's half time. It's quite clear he's going to be tackling that game like he can win it. I wouldn't expect any less from Ange Postecoglou. What's your view on it? Because we're going to be talking about the lineup and what changes you would make to the game from yesterday. Um, and I think he's going to be going into it with his strongest side. I mean, do you think that he would think any any differently from that? Why should he think any differently? With a bad night at the office last Thursday, it's only half time. Why can't we be competitive in the league and Europe? I understand people's. Celtic fans thoughts that the league is the most important trophy this season if you're going to prioritise but why can't we go and have a rip with this on Thursday and see where it takes us do you think 2 nothing beyond Celtic I don't think so you know, early goal get, early goal is so important Tony isn't it get, yeah at least get yourself back in the tie you know the deflected goal I think we touched upon that could have a, a crucial bearing on the overall outcome of the tie yeah but go, and they, go there and play you know, knock out, you know the situation, you have to win by two to take it to extra time. Mm -hmm. First and foremost, try that and we'll see where it gets us. And uh, he will play his strongest team because he has to play his strongest team because his strongest team has to get used to pressure situations and coping with what's coming down the line in the 11 games that are left. It's going to take total, utter bottle to uh, win this title. He said it yesterday, they're going to have to earn that. Going to have to earn it the hard way. You know, well, you're going to have to prove your metal here. You know, you can't show signs of, of collapsing. I, I thought they showed some metal yesterday by getting the result, digging it out again, same way they did against them, D United. There is a, you know, there's something there with the Celtic team in terms of that uh, spirit and attitude. Mm -hmm. Just used to accept not winning. You know, so, yeah, uh, Thursday night's one of those ones on Ask most supporters will maybe say, you know, let it go. I don't want to let it go. 
There's prestige that comes with winning in Europe. I want Celtic to be a team that can compete to win the titles and compete in Europe at whatever level we're in. And I know people frown upon the competition. It is what it is, and Celtic are where they are with regards to European competition. So go and make a fist of it and go and get some confidence to take you back into the, the next 11 games because we need we need to show some real metal, some real bottle, some real character and some real spirit. I think we've got that in abundance, but it is the business end of the season now and mm. that's when you no know, legs can turn to jelly and people can... No players can get be like rabbits in the headlights. Go and, go and prove it to everybody why you're top of the league. Go and prove why Jack and has said what he did. You know, you you think you're the best team and you have the best players in every department, and you think you'll win the league. Well, go and prove it then. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. The thing is, Tony, we've spoken about Yakamakis. We'll probably touch on him again before the end of the show. Um, I wasn't too excited about what he says, to be honest with you. I like the fact that he was a bit bold. Amy disagrees, but that's the way it goes. Dominic Toy, don't know why everybody's upset. Yakimakis' presser yesterday. Um, I've got Richard McMinn. I am very happy with the three points from yesterday. I won't be trying to blame individual players when we actually win. Joe Hart is the best goalkeeper that we have. Best wishes. Yeah, I agree. I'm not looking to blame anybody, but what we try to do is eradicate these... Um, Issues within, particularly within the defence, so that uh, obviously they don't cost us dearly between now and the end of the season. And I'm bringing this in from Ted. Any Yakamakis doubters now? Well, we need to talk about Yakamakis. Of course we do. Um, the goal, 10 minutes after going behind, we huffed and we puffed. We completely dominated that 10 minutes, it's got to be said. And uh, Yakamakis, it was uh, Yotter's cross to Starfelt who I've already criticised for giving away the free kick. On to Yakimakis, right foot swivel, we're back in the game, it's one each. And you're looking at that, and the first thing that comes to my mind uh, when Yakimakis scores is Colin Watt. And what he's going to say in the WhatsApp group in relation to, I told you so, but that's what it's all about. So I gave him a bit of stick, Amy, uh, earlier on in the season. But if I was to watch the games back that I was critical of Yakimakis, I would stand by it. I didn't think he played well in the games. And I, I did have my doubts, absolutely. So, in answer to your question, uh, where is your Yakimakis doubt as well? It's proven us wrong. That's what it's all about. He comes out, he saves us yesterday. What was your overall view of, of Yakimakis yesterday? He scores what we call the perfect hat-trick, Amy. Um, he done his usual thing when he's not involved in the game where he's basically closing down defenders, giving them absolutely no room on the ball. Um, I like that about him. I don't think we've seen the best in Maeda quite yet, we'll get to him, but what did you make overall of Yakimakis' performance before the, the press conference afterwards? He's just a nuisance, isn't he? Um, he gets in and around and like you say, perhaps 
you know, maybe it doesn't always have the, the most touches of the ball or, or most clinical passes or any of these, you know, stats the stats that kicking about. But if you actually watch the game as, as a whole picture, you'll see, you know, the, the players that he drags away, um, the space that he creates for for Yota or Abada or whoever it may be. Um, I just I like his off the ball work. Um, I get a lot of stick because I talk a lot about off the ball work and I, I get a lot of stick amongst my friends because um, <laughs> I always say Cal McGregor's off the ball works uh, second to none um, but it's true I think when you watch a game as a whole and don't just focus in on you know every single time that it's the, the, the man with the ball um, I just think when you look at the wider picture you think right well how is Yotha getting this much room well you know Yakimakis has managed to drag two of the three centre halves uh, into this little bubble basically surrounding them and I think that's what you know um, unless like, you are really at a game or, or you're seeing it from a different camera angle really you don't get to take all the, these bits in or unless you really focus on that one player so I think he done a lot right yesterday he gets himself in, in a lot of good places um, and he's a penalty box striker you know I don't think he's you know, well, I, I'm not going to put anything past them, but I don't think that you know, I'm I'm not expecting to see 30 yard screamers for him uh, from him. Sorry, week in week out, but do I expect him to be in the six yard box when there's balls coming in from the, from the wide areas? Then absolutely, and I think he's good at getting himself in the right areas. Um, you know, look at the size of him as well. You know, when he took his shirt off yesterday, oh my god, he's absolutely ripped. Like, <laughs> oh, I never noticed. I never noticed, Amy. That was a good I observation. Did. I did. Um, but he, like, he, he's, he's massive. You know what I mean? So he should be battling with every centre-half. We're talking about, you know, if uh, if Cameron Carter-Vickers is, is the biggest and strongest and whatnot, and he should be able to out-defend any striker in league. Well, I'm expecting Yakimakis to be able to be fighting against any other centre-half in the league. Um, he's, he's an absolute unit. And I know we're talking about, you know, plan B or, or whatever it is. He's... That is like proper Route One football, like getting the ball up to him. Like he's huge. So um, I think he done a lot right yesterday, and I and I really, really, really like his performance. Actually, mm, yeah. I mean, you, you can't deny it. You really can't deny it. And um, Tony, I don't know if you noticed his physique when he peeled off the green and white hoops, but um, Amy certainly did. That's fair enough. No way you didn't both notice. You've all seen that picture. <laughs> I've not got. I've not got great eyesight, and obviously we are a wee bit far away from Amy. Um, um, Lacking Max is entitled to do what he wants when he scores a hat trick. I tell you what was great for me. I think there was a stat that did he touch the ball 16 times and score three goals? That wouldn't surprise me. That would not surprise me. Yeah. But I tell you what it was. He showed why he was the Eredivisie top scorer last season because those three goals were instinctive striker goals. All Mm. All one touch, right? One with the right foot, one with the left foot, one with the head. Yep. Brilliant striker play yesterday from Yakimakis. It really was. Stepped up to the plate when Celtic needed him most. You know, if, if there's doubters out there, fine. But that was a brilliant way to lead the line yesterday. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, pull people away from their you know, their positions. You know, and the first goal's brilliant. That swivel and to get it on target and that. And, but see the header? You can't underestimate the header. Ralston put in a brilliant ball. Go and attack it. Well, he attacks it all right and he makes sure he gets it on target and he scores and he knew how vital it was and important it was to do that. You know, so you ask players to step up to the plate when, when it matters most. He did that yesterday on the field and he should have won a penalty too. Uh, how that's never a penalty is beyond me. I don't know what the referee sees there, but he's been blatantly barged off the ball. Body checked, almost a possible elbow as well. 
and he's a big guy. He would have contested that, no bother, with your man and probably get a header on target. Why would he go down if he wasn't bundled off the ball or barsed off the ball, body check, call it what you like? So he should have won a penalty, but he was just a real nuisance yesterday. And he's and he played the kind of striking role that we all thought was capable of him. He's a one-touch predator instinct in mm. the book. And see, when the ball falls to guys like that or you, you get the quality in, don't be surprised that he'll provide that. He was unlucky in the games before. He came up against some really good goalkeepers or goalkeepers who were on for him and Seagreast, McGregor. You know, he did everything but score. You saw his relief, the way he took his goal. And his goal against Ray's Rovers as well was one touch, wasn't it? Across the box and he let it come right across him and he waited for Jamie McDonald to dive in and he slotted it away. And it was relief because he was like, right, I'm back in the groove. Now he's back in the groove. So I think yesterday, uh, yeah, I just hope it continues and I hope he takes real confidence from it. Because he is, as Amy says, he's a big unit. He couldn't have not noticed his frame when he took his top off, let's be honest. You know, so and and, and I like that. And I like that he's got an air of confidence about him as well. Mm-hmm. Going back to what he said, I'm probably with Amy. You keep that in house. But if that's a measure of his confidence, so be it. But I'd rather players just did their talking on the park, which he did yesterday. You know, so I, I can't argue with that. Arguing with what he said, I'm I don't know. Uh, I just prefer people to the managers have said all season we'll run our own race and not say too much. So I don't think the manager will be too chuffed with uh, Yakimakis for what he said in the to the press afterwards. And uh, yeah, so I took a ticking off for that, but I can't fault his on the field contribution yesterday. It was it was top notch and uh, yeah, I was I was delighted. I was delighted for him more than anything else. Because of you know, you, you look at him and you think there is a player there. Mm. And when it all comes together, it's it, well, when it all comes together, you see what happened yesterday. So long may it continue, yeah, you know, and keep it going for the next 11. Yeah, strange love the doctor. Did anyone watch sports scene last night? I did. They must have missed the clear elbow to yeah. Akamakis' face that should have resulted in a clear red and a penalty for Celtic in the editing room, or maybe not. Well, I, I think they showed the incident, but they never discussed it. Yeah. Well, there were two, there were two incidents that. You know, again, it's difficult at the time, but having watched them back, there's two penalty claims for Celtic. You've got the one where Juranovic plays the ball and it's, there's a handball in the box. And in the same minute, the ball comes back in and Yakamakis is impeded. And it's clear that he's impeded. I mean, it's it's a brutal, as you say, it's almost like a wee slam with the elbow, Tony. And he's a big unit, as we know, because he took his top off him. We know he's a big unit. And he's been slammed and it's put him down. It's put him on the deck which isn't easy to do because he takes a bit of abuse, does Yakimakis, and his hold-up yeah. play, his hold-up play has been brilliant. That's been one of the, the best parts of his game when he wasn't scoring the goals as frequently as he now appears to be doing. Um, so, yeah, for me, it was definitely a penalty on Yakimakis. Amy, what was your take on that? Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. Simple as that, eh? Yeah. Aye. Aye, penalty all day long. But again, what, what tends to happen is these things are not laboured. Um, all that often so I take Strange Love the Doctor's point on that um, with regards to editing and going over it are they looking at the fact and saying well Celtic won anyway I don't I don't think that is the way that we can deal with this we need to call out these decisions time and time again yesterday was frustrating because Dundee are fighting for their life they've, they've had a, a bit of a knee jerk uh, situation where they've um, you know sacked their manager and brought in Mark McGee it's gone down like a lead balloon up in Tayside they're ahead. 
um, in the game. They bring it back to 2-2. Two, two. They're wasting time. Every time there's a bye kick, every time there's a throw-in, and the ref's allowing them to do it. And you're watching this as a frustrated Celtic fan thinking to yourself, if we drop points here, every single moment is a fine, fine margin, especially when you look at the late goal Celtic have been scoring. So I think it's only right that you call out these decisions, Tony. I've I've basically filled my black book of bad decisions some time ago, uh, but I think Alan Morrison is continuing with it on his blog, Celtic by Numbers. But, I mean, for me, it's a clear penalty all day long, Tony. Yeah, oh, well, that that instant certainly. I only saw it once in, in real time, but was the was Jota's handball that Mark McGee complained really badly about it. I I only saw that once, and I thought they might have got away with that, but I've not seen it again, so I couldn't tell you. I don't know. It's tricky, is like is this whole natural unnatural thing? Like he is, yeah. it, it has grazed his grazed his arm. Like there's no denying that, but. Okay. Like it's the same way that you say, like, how's a defender meant to jump with their arms down by their side and, and that kind yeah, of thing? Yeah. I think if I think if you're jumping, it's a natural position. I do. But I can I can, to be honest, I can actually see why me and my dad had a massive discussion about it last night because I said, Oh, I think sales have got away with one. And he's yeah. like, Well, no, you've got to be able to, you know, judge the jump kind of thing. So it is probably as well, it'll probably be one that is debated. Um and it's tough because, like you say, you can't jump with your arms down by your side, and I think that's basically what you're wanting. I think that's a, what a lot of people are expecting players to do now. But uh, there's no debate about Celtic's penalty on Yakamakis. Oh, the shove, no. Uh, yeah, so uh, Jota's handball, I see, I only seen it once, and I, and I kind of thought, oh, you know, they've got maybe a justifiable claim. But going back to your Dundee time waste, I don't expect anything else from those kind of teams, Paul. You know, they're fighting for their lives, they're, you know, they're. They're on the verge of taking a precious point, which they probably thought was not in the offing, coming mm-hmm. to Celtic Park. You know, so uh, they, if I was Dundee, I would be using every trick in the book as well, and time-wasting. And and again, you, you're saying to the official, then will you do something about it? You know, and I think, was there only three minutes added on at the end? Is that right? I'd need to check. Ah, the injury time. There was, less t- there was less time than there, there was up at Tannadice, that's for sure. Well, it was three minutes, right? So, but if you take into account the, the kind of time waste and all that, there probably should have been maybe a, a minimum five, eh? Something yeah. like that. Yeah. In the end, it didn't matter because Celtic got the winning goal. But, you know, fine margins. You know, how many times have we spoke about fine margins? So these are things that need to be taken into consideration. But, you know, talking about... I, I still think that was a stonewall penalty in Yakimakis. The Jota one... Uh, I'll take Amy's word for it because she saw it more times or she's had a debate with her dad about it. So, as I say, I only saw it in real time and my initial thought was, oh, might have got away with one there. So, I'll need to see it again. Well, I'm going to go with Amy's dad on that penalty one. And um, if that's a penalty, then have a look at the Juranovic claim just before the Yakimakis incident as well. Because Amy's dad's a ref. So, he knows. Gary Byron, Yakimakis, all is forgiven for the penalty miss. Yeah. I mean, I tell you what, that wasn't the thing, Tony, that led to us having a discussion about Yakimakis, the penalty miss against Livingston. He didn't get a particularly bad, hard time from Axom on the post-match that day. It was the performances following that when he comes back into the side that he was getting criticised for. I think Yakimakis was playing when he probably wasn't 100% fit, but he'd maybe said to the manager that he was fit. You know how maybe managers have discussion with players and they've said, I'm good to go. No, I think he said himself in interviews uh, 
it was it was a difficult time for me, and I think he used the word I wasn't healthy, which I think he means he wasn't fit. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he he maybe did himself any favours. No, any any footballer can miss a penalty. I think it was the the lackadaisical way that he took it that Celtic supporters were really annoyed with. It was more or less the last kick of the game, and it, it was a pretty powder puff effort, wasn't it? You expect a, a confident, fit striker who's hungry for goals to ram it or batter it mm-hmm. into the net. That's I think that's what I think that's what annoyed a lot of the Celtic supporters, and, and I don't think he ingratiated himself to them at that particular time. But it was nothing. And as you see, it was the performances after that. Well, there seemed something missing. There was a, he was a bit kind of, you know, there was no cohesion. He looked a bit disjointed, but mm-hmm. not anymore. He's, no, now doing, he's now doing everything they expect a Celtic centre forward to do. Yeah. As Amy says, he's dragged off the ball stuff. He's dragging defenders all over the place, creating space for others. And he's a nuisance when the ball comes into the box. And he's a predator. And he's shown that. And if you look at his showreel of goals from the Eredivisie, division, most of them are all one-touch finishes, like the one at Tynecastle, mm-hmm. like like yesterday's header, swivel, bang, that kind of stuff, or getting in where it hurts. You know, and that, that's all I want from my centre-forward. See if he touches the ball 16 times every game, but he scores three goals, I'll take that every day of the week. Brilliant. Magic. You know, if you're not involved, but be involved when it comes into the area where you need to be involved. That that's that the, the sixteen touches, Tony. I, I'm with you on this because it it only tells you part of the story. The yeah. work he's doing off the ball, yeah. like you say, he's creating pockets of space for others. Um, he might not be involved directly in the play. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. But he's contributing to it. He did the same against Dundee United and Rangers. Mm, Yeah. He said chances that he got that they didn't go in. He did everything other than score. And he did it against Wraith Rovers. So... There is an argument to say that if you're if it becomes between him and Maida, then it's probably Jack and Marcus. I would agree with that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Johnny Boy Soul comes in on the on the YouTube. The Jota handball can't be a penalty as it came off another part of his body first. That's in the rules. Penalty spot. Home of Celtic memorabilia. Jota heads it then onto the arm so it falls under the new rules of no penalty. So your dad's right, Amy. 
like I said Ezra, before. Ezra, yeah. I, yeah. I only saw it in real time as well. We had the discussion afterwards because um, we, we watched the game separately. But no, he, I, I'll totally go with him, totally go with him. Trust the old no, man, no, absolutely. No, no, no. <laughs> Ralston, I want to talk about Tony Ralston. You know how much I love the guy. Uh, Tony Ralston, CSC, was set up by Amy Canavan some time ago. Um, I'm a fully-fledged member, and well, I think well. yesterday he was he was one of these players that, you know, when even like yesterday when think the chips are down, he's a warrior, right? He's always, always available for a pass. You can see it with, with O'Reilly and Jota. Um, or, you know, down the right-hand side. He's creating space for the pair of them. He's always giving them an out ball. He's happy to hit the touchline and cross the ball over. And for that alone, I'm looking at Ralston now as... And by the way, I feel a wee bit for Zhiranovic because I think he's a better right-back. But I think that we're weaker on the left-hand side. So the decision yesterday for Ange to move Zhiranovic out left and play Ralston on the right, I think, was the right decision. And I'm looking towards not just Thursday night, and I'll start with yourself, Amy, but moving forward, what's your thoughts on our, our strongest fullbacks? I think Ralston yesterday was brilliant. I mean, we'll talk about the, the winning goal and his partner. Tony's already mentioned that the cross was superb, and not for the first time this season. But I'm now looking at the situation thinking to myself, Ralston's back, back to being your first choice right back, but Juranovic is your first choice left back. What's your thoughts on that, Amy? It's I it's it's a tough one. because um, as much as I'm Tony Ralston's biggest fan, was his only fan last year, I do also play a part in the Greg Taylor fan club. So I'm really, really split right now. But if you're going I, I want my best players to play in their best position, you know, and you but it's so tricky. Juranovic is still then probably the best when he's out on the left. Um it's it's a crazy conundrum to really have. It shows you how good a player Juranovic is, which we all really do already know. But you know, he's just so versatile. But I think in in contribution to the third goal yesterday, you know, it was both Juranovic and Ralston down that flank. Juranovic started off and Ralston was on the overlap. It shows you how good Juranovic still is. Mm-hmm. Down, down his right, his correct side, um, and, and on the right. So it's really, really tough. Juranovic is, is it has to be first choice right back. But then, do you play him out on the left where he's still probably, probably is Billy is better than than, than Greg Taylor? Then, you know, Ralston's a, a perfect fit in. You know, he, he's not really put a foot wrong when he's been dropped. It's not been anything because of his own fault. It's purely been because of the standard that, that Juranovic does play at. I think it's a really, really tough call. Um, and again, I think if you had to ask me, I do just want my best players to play in their best position. Um, but you have to try and look at the, the width of the team, really, and, and look at it across the board. Did Celtic probably play better yesterday with, with Ralston and Juranovic? Potentially, yeah. But do I think Iranovic was quieter? We obviously discussed that before Tony came on. Although he's trying to get forward, you know, obviously, mm-hmm. um, perhaps that was more because it was Maeda in front of him. Um, if, he, if he had Yota, does that change it? It's, I think it's going to take a lot of tossing and turning, really. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens on Thursday. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens, you know. I think that's really where you're looking at when the team's announced. Well, to be fair, you're also looking at the midfield because it's so there's such strength and depth there. But I think that now we have reached a stage where the, the back four isn't, you know, it isn't a shoo-in. Um And yeah, I've totally managed to avoid your question really rather well without answering it. So, go to Tony. 
It's because you're an honorary member of both the Greg Taylor and Tony Ralston fan clubs. Um, there's a lot of people reckon Ralston um, should be the right back, and that, this is a good point. I think domestically, you know, Ralston loves that rough and tumble, and, and you know, he took a bit of uh, abuse yesterday, physical abuse. There was two or three late challenges on him, and he just, start, you know, he just gets back up and he, he goes again. And as I say, what I like about him, he's always given an out ball, which is, is you know, that's you're, you're looking at Jota and O'Reilly. And as tricky as they can be and as quick-footed as they can be, sometimes they're running into packed defences and all you need is that overlap. And Tony always gives that. And I think that Juranovic suffered at the weekend, like you say, Demi, through having Maeda in front of him, who doesn't look that strong down the left, albeit he plays a part in the second goal, Tony. So is it a case of looking at the two full-backs, but also the two wingers in front of them and saying, well, if we can bring back Abada on the right, Jota on the left you're far more confident with Juranovic left-back, Ralston right-back. What's your take on that, um, the wing situation down the right and the left? I think it's a decent, uh, nice wee luxury and headache to have for the manager. Uh, you know, you're asking me, yeah, the two best players yesterday were Jakimakis and Ralston. I think anybody would, would doubt that. Either. What about Ralston's celebration when Jakimakis headed that in? The only other player that would have scored that goal would have been Tony Ralston himself because he'd have flung himself at it like that. He can't cross the ball to himself, can he? That's why he was so overjoyed that he put the ball in to where he thought his man should be. And lo and behold, he was there and that's why he went mental. But that's what Ralston provides you as well. You know, and if if he's no crossing in and someone else is crossing it, Ralston would have been up there. Yeah. Sure, right? Mm-hmm. As he did in Dingwall. You know, and the comment that came in there, Ralston is suited to these kind of rough and tumble games. It's, it's his game. He loves it. You know, and, and he'll gallop forward and he'll, he won't stop. And the one thing you'll get from him is a shift, right? An absolute shift, which a lot of people say is a prerequisite, right? But he's now added, he's got, what, five goals, I think, this season, Ralston? I believe it's yeah. five. Mm-hmm. And he's got a, a load of assists as well. You know, so that's something else that going forward in the last 11 games of the season, Ange knows you know, that he can provide to the team. And yeah, uh, I'm still a lover of players playing in the natural position, like Amy says, but it's hard to leave guys like Ralston out the team when he plays like he did yesterday. I'm also a yellow jersey man. See, if you've got the jersey, you know, Tour de France style, then you're, it's up to someone else to take it off you. And in the last couple of games, people have been very critical of Greg Taylor. So... And if Juranovic has shown that he is versatile and he can play there, so if you're going to get results with Ralston at right back and Juranovic at left back, then it's maybe worth considering. I don't like tinkering with the team too much, though. You know, you've got 11 massive games in the league coming up. Mm. But if he, the manager's a kind of horses for courses guy, isn't he? And he's proved that he is. And, uh, you know, so... But every time you put Ralston in the team... <laughs> he doesn't give you a reason for you to put him out it, does he? Let's no, he, he doesn't. He turns up and he performs and it's to his credit because unlike Amy, I wasn't in the Tony Ralston fan again, Tony Ralston fan club. But I uh, my admiration for what he's achieved this season knows no bounds. And I've said before and I've said it, I'll say it again, he's he shut guys like me up uh, and continues to do so. And there's nobody more delighted about that than myself. And he's had a consistency of performance, which I thought 
was beyond them. But mm. again, back to the fact that I I, I credit the manager, uh, the man management that he's, he's and the work that he's put into Tony Ralston, and I credit Tony Ralston for clearly listening and taking it on board and working on deficiencies that he might have had in his game and improving uh, no end. And uh, you know, I, it's a I'm with me on this one. I, I really do think it's a it's a dilemma, but it's a it's a wonderful dilemma for the manager to have going forward. But uh, yeah, I think you'll see a lot of Ralston. I think he just epitomises the kind of spirit and energy in the team this season. And I think a lot of Celtic supporters uh, have loved that about him. Yeah, I think when he came in and you had the initial um, run of games, you, you're asking yourself, is it a flash in the pan? And he's proved, like you say, Tony, that he's done it consistently over a period of time. Went in and out the side, still comes back and still performs to the same kind of levels. Peter Campbell's asking why I'm desperate to play Juranovic's left back. We should always play our best players in their best positions. And as impressive as Ralston has been this season, he is our second best right back. I agree with you. He is. But Greg Taylor's our second best left back. Mm-hmm. So Juranovic, for me, is better than Taylor at left back. And that's the reason why. And I think that if you've got a badder uh, right jaw to left, then Juranovic, albeit he's out of position, it's less noticeable because he's got the outball in Jota. I don't think he had the outball yesterday in Maeda. Uh, Maeda obviously um, assists for the second goal. Yakamakis puts us 2-1 up. But there was a few misses, back post headers, things like that, Amy, that I'm looking at thinking you need to be more clinical there. Um, do you think that we're in a situation where we know Kyo goes out, we don't know for how long specifically. Yakamakis has the jersey. Maeda's had a couple of run-ins. But moving into Thursday night, I would expect Maeda to drop back down to the bench um, and for us to bring back a badder. Um, is that harsh? I mean, obviously he contributed yesterday, but I don't think he contributed enough. Yeah, it's um, it's tough. And, and as, I, as I said earlier, it's not a criticism on him in, in, in any way. Um, I think it just shows right now the, the, the strength amongst the, the Celtic side. I think Yakmak is, is through the middle. Um, I think there was a lot of surprise, perhaps, at the Nats will start on Thursday um, as well. But I think he, he will offer something different. And, if, you know, I, um, obviously I, I was at the game on Thursday as well. Bodogan team, they are massive. They are huge, like, mm. from, from front to back. Um it was my dad. He went, "My God, I thought the number nine was big." And then you, you looked at, I don't know, the, the twenty-five or something. But they're they're a really big physical side as well. Um, so I think Yakamakis will will contest a little bit better. Um, and I just I like the the speed of Maeda. Um, you know, when there's perhaps half an hour to go, you just bring him on when the, the defense sorry are tiring. Um, and he, he just like again stretches, offers something different. So I do um, expect Maeda to drop to the bench, but again, perhaps not totally on his own performance but I just think that there are others perhaps playing a, a little bit better than him right now um, yeah. and like I say obviously we, we do need to remember how long uh, a season he has just played behind him, he's not had the, the rest the recuperation that perhaps you know we, we'd like him to have so um, I still think he's an absolutely fantastic option um, he's a fantastic you know acquisition as well um, and I know there's a lot of comparisons and I think a lot of the comparisons are unfair uh, and I do think he will prove to be a, a massive player. You know, he's not came 
Um, he's came with a hype, sorry, for a reason because you know he absolutely ripped up J League, um, and I fully suspect him to do to do the same here. Um, and and I do think that he does still have a massive part to play in these you know eleven last games in the in the league. Um, but I think right now, just the way that that Yakimakis evidently we all know the confidence that he's got. So I think as much as it's important for the team, I think it's important for him that he does start. Um, and then Maeda can, you know, absolutely come on, uh, finish the job off and really cause, continue that nuisance really in a, in a totally different way. Yeah, I do like that idea of having him for, you know, the impact of the last 30 minutes to inject that energy. I mean, his pace is frightening. I said that after the first time I've seen him, actually. He's going to be a nightmare for goalkeepers because he's right down their throats. Um, yesterday, I bumped into a chap, James from Wick, big Axon fan. So if you're listening, James, brilliant to have a wee chat, a wee power with you yesterday. It's great to hear where all the Axom uh, viewers and listeners are from. We don't always agree, but that's what it's all about, isn't it? Um, it's all about the debate. And uh, also, a big shout out to whoever it was that was sitting in front of me who, when we were celebrating, a lad um, felt the need to kiss me and all the emotion and the hype when we scored. That's what happens when you're at the game. Fair enough. No problem at all with that. And a uh, big shout out also to our sponsor, Who Knows Wins. Now, um, what you can do with regards to this is there is a uh, app, that you can download. It's in the description field underneath. Kevin Graham got involved and won a few quid at the weekend. And basically, you're in a little league where you're predicting the top 10 picks. And um, what did he do? Did he put a pound in, I think, Kev? He was telling us on the WhatsApp. And it came out. Aye. So there you go. Get involved. There's going to be a lot more... um, uh, information down the, the months uh, in relation to who knows wins. They are our official sponsor. Now, I want a wee prediction from you, Tony, because we're not, we won't see you until Friday. So give me a prediction for Thursday night. Ooh. I'll see. Mm, tough one. <laughs> I think 2-1 <laughs> Celtic. Yep, I agree with you. I think Celtic will get an early goal. I think we'll win the game. And we'll lose the tie. Amy, what about yourself? Nah, I'm going to go much more confident. I'll go... 3 mm, now. Oh, I like that confidence. Love it. Um, it's been an Perhaps absolute pleasure. Stupidity. What was that? Perhaps stupidity. No, eh, I like the confidence. I like it. I like Yakamaka's his confidence in the presser as well. Yes, I was going to say, Jack. I like it. It's spreading. It's spreading. The confidence and the momentum is spreading into the Axom team. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. Remember to like our video. Click the like. Uh, help us with the algorithm, whatever on earth that is. And subscribe to us on YouTube. We've got some massive guests lined up and features as well. We're going to be travelling all over the place from Liverpool, Manchester, London, and even Hamburg. Um, to capture some content and get it out on the channel. So subscribe, uh, click the notifications bell and be part of uh, a Celtic state of mind. Thank you everybody for getting involved and to Amy Canavan and Tony Haggerty for joining me on a Celtic state of mind. and data rates may apply.
Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.